John Billingsley, Phil Flox. Join dozens of Star Trek celebrities for eight hours of interviews, panels, performances, and general Trek wallow, all in support of the Hollywood Food Coalition, hofoco.org. Check us out, helping people in need for almost 40 years. Trek Talks 2 kicks off 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, January 14, 2023. Stay hep at trektalks.net. Live long and mark your calendars. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for discovering Trek listeners. Fansets, our pins have character. A new mission, the return of a dangerous enemy, and a shocking resignation. Episode 9 of Lower Decks gives Captain Freeman the mission she's been campaigning for since Season 1, but when a reporter joins the crew to do a story on the Cali-class starship, she's concerned Mariner will mess things up and, well, it's Lower Decks, so you know it won't end well. And that's an understatement. Step into the turbo lift and hit that down button, folks. My name is Dan Davidson, and we are Discovering Trek Lower Decks. Thanks so much for joining us, and welcome to Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Universe Companion, presented, as always, by Fansets. Episode 9 of Lower Decks Trusted Sources brings a news reporter on board to detail the first new swing-by mission of the Cerritos, and Captain Freeman really wants to show how great her ship and crew is. Problem is, she thinks Mariner's going to blow up for her. Yeah, way to go, Mom. Uh, and after visiting a planet that we haven't seen since TNG Season 1 and really didn't want or need to, things get real interesting on a different planet when a former enemy shows up and wrecks havoc on everyone's favorite Cali-class starship and crew. But uh, as usual, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Before we get into too much detail about the penultimate episode of Season 3, I have to introduce my two amazing co-hosts. They really are the finest podcast crew in the quadrant, and I can't do this without them. As always, to help me break down this week's episode are my two good friends, Bill Smith and Casey Shafsky. Uh, well, Bill, Lower Decks always has amazing callbacks that surprise us, and this week we got to go back to the drug planet from TNG. So, yay? Yay. I, this is an episode that uh, of TNG that I love. Uh, thanks for the intro, Dan. Um, and it's kind of cool to go back there after all this time uh, especially in Lower Decks, because we can kind of be cheeky about it, and that makes me happy. <laughs> yes, we'll get into that, I'm sure. Uh, and Casey, on top of everything else that happens this week, we actually see Freeman t- put Dr. Uh, Greenbird, uh, or uh, Dr. Miglimo, in charge of the Cerritos, so uh, just another normal week uh, for our favorite California class. Hey, doctors should always captain starships. <laughs> always. Yeah, we know, we know what happens with that, right, Troy? Anyway. <laughs> it's going to be a great conversation, and I am really looking forward to it. Uh, but before we start our discussion, Black Alert! Black Alert! This episode of Discovering Trek Lower Decks does contain spoilers. So if you haven't watched Star Trek Lower Decks Episode 9, stop listening right now. Go on over to Paramount Plus, watch the episode, then head back on over to Discovering Trek. Failure to do that puts you at risk to find out plot developments and character details for trusted sources. 
So guys, second to last episode of the season. This season has been fantastic so far. Let's start out with our thumbs up or thumbs down as we have done for most of the season. I'm gonna give it a thumbs up. I thought it was fantastic. I really liked it. There were there were some fun parts. There were some serious parts. There were some surprises and some callbacks to Great Trek, which we always love. So thumbs up for me. Casey, what about you, bud? Thumbs up, my friend. You know, they, they always know how to have a strong ending or close to ending of a season. Loved it. Yeah, absolutely. And Bill, I think you're going to probably, we're going to be going three for three. We are three for three. Thumbs up, definitely. Um, I, I like the premise of this episode. I like how it sets Captain Freeman on some uncertain footing. And uh, I, I like that there's some real tension between her and Beckett. Uh, plus, like Casey says, you know, they, they get really strong toward the end of a season. And that tells me a lot about what we can expect in the one episode to come later uh, in the season. Yeah, uh, every season finale of Lower Deck so far has certainly not disappointed. So uh, we'll see what happens with that uh, next week. Um, One of the things I liked about this, guys, is that this was a good episode about trust and the lack of it shown to Mariner. I was I was really unhappy with how Ransom reacted uh, to everything that was going on, uh, and even more so with Jennifer and even Boimler to a point. Uh, everybody, of course, uh, they have this close relationship, and then all of a sudden, at the first sign of trouble, everybody points a finger at Manor. I know Mariner. I know she has the reputation, but that kind of that kind of made me feel kind of bad, Bill. I'm not sure if uh, if you felt the same, but I felt bad for the girl. If you'd like, I can hug you. Um, I didn't Ugh. feel that bad. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that that's a credit to the way this script is crafted. They wanted you to believe that it was Mariner. Mm-hmm. And because it, it, it's in character for her. I mean, whether or not she'd go to that length to, to torpedo her own mom is debatable, but it's plausible. And I think that's why that element of the story works. Uh, this is something that that really painted the Cerritos in a bad light. And I think that that's why people react so viscerally, honestly. Casey, do you think it's um, it's normal for what we're seeing with Lower Decks and for the California class that they have such a bad reputation when they really have a fan, they do a fantastic job at just about everything they've done? Yeah, the reputation seems a, a, a little out of place with with all the accomplishments that are going on. Uh, mm-hmm. With the Cerritos, uh, we you know we don't know everything that's happening with the other Cali class ships, but um, yeah, part of that you kind of go well if there's this reputation, but then you know hey you, you do a good thing and you do a good thing and you do a good mm-hmm. thing and where it's a pattern, it's not a one off where yeah. they're oh they're having success after success, then at some point really unless people are just burying their heads in the sand the reputation has to change because then it then it's it's no longer your credit as a captain on some other type of ship where if you go the kelly class ships aren't doing anything then you've lost credibility if anybody looks up the accomplishments that the cerritos crew have done yeah bill do we think that do you think that's part of the issue of that question that i posed to casey is is we get to see the lower deckers but all of the things that the Cerritos and the California class have done. Let's look at an example for the end of season one, where they they save the day, um, and and they've done some some pretty huge things over the course of three seasons. Do you think that I'm looking through it through a lens of that the lower decks people always seem to be the ones that get the the bum end of the deal 
and maybe that's why that, that that reputation is out there? Or do you think it's a valid reputation because California class isn't the Enterprise, it isn't Galaxy class, it isn't Sovereign class, it's just California class? I think it's the latter. I think it's because it's California class. I think we, you know, we have a perception because we see, you know, behind the curtain, you know, in Oz. You know, we understand why things are the way they are. And we know that these Starfleet officers on this ship are just as as brave and valiant as the one serving on the USS Enterprise. Mm-hmm. You know, we see that in the in the in, in the whole Breen attack storyline. You know, uh, Ransom is Ransom doesn't shy away from anything. He's right there in it. You know, and same with Freeman. They they act like Starfleet officers. So I think it's the Cali class that gets a bad rap because it's second contact. It's not. You know, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's not, uh, it's, it's, it's not a status job. Yeah. And, and, and on top of, of second contact, now it's swing by, uh, yeah. which I like how one of the things that I've liked mm-hmm. what the writers have done with lower decks is they've had a lot of continuity, the continuity, whether it's from 25 years ago with episodes that we saw in the original series or, or excuse me, in uh, TNG or deep space nine, or what we saw in season one, where she started talking about this idea of operation swing by, she finally gets it. She's very nervous and oh, it's going to be awesome, but we're going to give you a reporter. And when has a reporter on a starship ever gone wrong? Let's just ask <laughs> captain Harriman of the enterprise B, shall we? I mean, Casey, that was something that you knew right from the get go. Having somebody from the FNN on was, was, was going to go bad, and it certainly didn't disappoint. Anytime editing is controlled by someone else, you never know what the outcome is going to be, and usually the outcome for certain things, you know, on news, to sell commercials, the goal is to make you dissatisfied with your current situation. So you think, oh, if I buy this thing that they're advertising, I'll feel better about what's going on. So... I, yeah, once again, not shocked that the reporter did the reporter type of inside edition slash job that just ugh, crushed that ship. Bill, really, I want to get your... Th- yeah, go ahead. It really was an inside edition type piece too, Case. <laughs> you nail it with that description. I was, for the life of me earlier, I was trying to figure out what show it resembled and uh, that or a current affair come right mm, to mind. Mm-hmm. It was just yeah, that mm-hmm. kind of gotcha journalism and... Um, yeah, like you said, it just journalists on starships never work out all that well. We've seen some great voice guest actors uh, this season in in Lower Decks in season three. It would have been awesome if they somehow would have gotten James Earl Jones to come in and do the CNN thing by going, "This is FNN, the Federation News Network." <laughs> that would have been just. I would have been dying. That would have been fantastic. But we did see. Um, I kind of saw it coming, what was going to happen. And I think, Bill, you alluded to this a few minutes ago, where where she wants to interview the crew. So we know that that's going to be a problem. And everybody seems really excited about it. They're, they're, they're going to talk about what they love so much. And then Mariner goes in, and then all the, the wheels fall off the cart, and there's all this huge problem. And as we find out, Mariner's not the problem. Everybody's just having great conversations and talks about things that aren't necessarily an issue to them, but make the California class look bad. And that's part of that whole reputation problem. Well, it goes back to context, right? You know, uh, when when Freeman and Ransom confront Mariner, they say that she went in and said all these things out of context, so it made them look bad. Um, and that's really what the other stories were. You know, some of these other people mm-hmm. like Kayshawn and, and some of the other crew members relayed some of these stories that they were involved in or that mattered to them. And to the reporter, it looked absolutely silly. 
So, I mean, getting turned into a hand puppet, that might seem silly to somebody. I get it. Um, <laughs> maybe as silly as being held by a giant green hand in space. Who knows? But, yeah. you know, without proper context, it tells us that really anything can be misconstrued or blown out of proportion as it was with this reporter. Casey, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, come on now. This this once again it goes right back to uh, a, a reporter trying to build uh, instant trust with people and to to get them to loosen up and to get juicy things that they may not think are juicy and or whatever and fulfills what the agenda or hidden agenda of that reporter is. So it can just be, you know, you get people talking and the longer and longer and longer, certain stuff will come out where you go, oh, yeah, I could, I could cut that right there. And there's, your, there's the little soundbite that'll work that you can manipulate it any way you Absolutely. want to. And it may have nothing to do at all of how the situation actually was. Yeah, I agree 100%. Speaking of juicy, because you used the term juicy a second ago. Mm -hmm. um, oh, no. Starbase 80. Let's talk about Starbase 80. We finally get to <sighs> see, kind of, though we see the two people show up in the in the little mini shuttle. Um, do we really think that there's any place in Starfleet that is that disgusting? <laughs> do we really think there's any place in Starfleet that's run by 80s stoners? I, I, hey, Bill, Bill and Ted had to get a job somewhere. They really did. Uh, it just—I I have a—I have a hard time believing that even a, you know, some kind of starbase on the edge of the frontier is someplace where rejects go because Starfleet yeah. is not about that. I mean, they even found a place for Reg Barkley on the Enterprise or at Starfleet Academy. Um, mm -hmm. If if he can find a spot, I have to believe that someplace like Starbase Eighty probably wouldn't exist. Yeah, it was it was kind of gross, Casey. Um, I'm not gonna lie. Oh, and it, what did it smell like? It smelled like sweat and something else. I forget what it was, but it was a pretty funny line. Uh, ew, it, ew, ew, all around. When when the when your shuttle comes in and it's greasy, I'm like, <laughs> guess what? Now elbow grease. <laughs> oh, not that elbow gracious. grease. I was like, mm, no, thank you. <laughs> Well, uh, one of the things that I found very interesting, actually, before I get to this, I got I got one other question. Were either of you surprised by the resignation of of Beckett at the end of this episode? Do you really did did we think that she was going to stay at Starbase eighty, or was she just going to say that's it? Now, before you answer that, I will say I can't imagine it's going to be long. I don't know if we're going to have to wait till next season for her to come back, or if it's going to be next week. Um, but I can't imagine that it's going to be a permanent thing. But were you surprised, Bill, that that we saw her take this step? I was a little bit shocked. I uh, not not entirely. I mean, I wasn't like you know jaw dropping, but I thought they might be able to get some interesting storylines out of the Starbase eighty thing, um, mm. because I mean they teased it so early in the season. You know, right. if, if it's that a place that's that dreaded, let's see why it's that dreaded. Um, the only thing I didn't like about her leaving Starfleet is that she hooked up with that treasure hunter from career day. That just doesn't work for me. Um, that's not a development I dig, no pun intended. <laughs> that, but that's a good oh. pun. Absolutely. Go ahead, Casey. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Please save us. Um, <laughs> I, I wasn't surprised because I could see the Mariner character just going, F this. No, you're, you're not dumping me off into the, you know, like the worst summer camp, whatever type yeah. of thing that you want to. It's like, 
I have options. And, you know, they made sure that we all knew in the audience that she had options earlier. So it was kind of like, and and part of it, like, Bill, you're saying, I I don't think they could show it to us because the the whole aura of how awful this place is or how crappy it is in our heads, we're all thinking certain things. And they'd see it and go, okay, well, it's not that bad. And like you're saying, how can how can a star base really be? that bad yeah there's there's no way so i i cut i wasn't surprised on it as like okay she was just hey peace out you know and did she actually if i remember correctly she did the vulcan thing that she did in season one too where she just was like see ya and she did that as she was walking away yeah yeah Good old Mariner. Um, so i do have one thing i want to get to we're going to talk about fan sets first before we do that but when we get back we're going to go back in time to tng season one Dan, as always, we want to take this moment to thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. They have been a core part of the entire network for years, and we are so proud of our relationship with them. Yeah, we absolutely are, man. We met them in Vegas the first year they were in business, and right from the start, we knew that there was something very special about them. Lou, John, and the entire team at Fansets are truly wonderful people, and just like all of you, They're huge Star Trek fans. They love every part of the franchise, and that love and dedication goes into every single Star Trek pin they produce. And there are a lot of them. They have over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins, and they have new releases every single month. And as a sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, we get to give away fanset stuff all the time. So you definitely want to keep your ears open for any new announcements where you can win some awesome Star Trek pins. So friends, head on over to fansets.com, check out their amazing inventory of not only Star Trek pins, but also some other awesome genres, and put a bunch of pins in your cart. And maybe even some accessories like those incredible locking backs to keep your pins secure, or hey, maybe even an amazing gift certificate for a friend or a podcast co-host. Then at checkout, be sure to enter the special discount code TREKGEEKS for 10% off your entire order. That's Trek Geeks in all capital letters with no spaces. And don't forget, when you spend more than $30, you automatically get free shipping in the U.S. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Okay, guys, so here we are. Um, we're going to wrap up uh, some of the discussion, uh, that I, some of the points that I had. In, and that's the return to Amara. That was... Wow, that was completely unexpected. I'm, I didn't know, Bill, that you really liked the episode Symbiosis. I hate that episode. I really? do not like that episode at all. I've never liked it. Um, the only thing I like about that episode is when the guy like electrocutes Riker and he's like, that's absolutely. Funny, that's that's, that's the, that part I like. That's awesome um, because Freaks has this look on his face like he's just. <laughs> you can't exactly. see it, you know, in an audio that's, podcast. But. That's pretty much the only part of that episode that I remember and and like. But so I was really surprised, but all. Also, another great example of what this team is capable of. They pull stuff out that we would never think we would have seen ever again, and it works 100%. The whole storyline about the Enterprise leaving and what their society went through to get to the point that they are now with that mural, Casey. mural. I want oh, that mural Lord. in my room at home because that was really something <laughs> Perhaps you can set it up behind the skulls from Star Trek Picard when they make those available. (laughs) I like that idea, too. I love that we got a chance to go back to Onar at the end of Symbiosis. You know, Picard essentially leaves these people high and dry. He does. And Mm -hmm. rightfully so, in a way. I mean, 
from their perspective, it's not, but from our perspective, it's like, aha, he gotcha. He, he obeyed the prime directive and he found a way to, to get them off the junk. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like the fact that we went back and revisited what happened to these people. And then to find out they just got addicted to fitness was hilarious. <laughs> that was pretty good. And Ransom certainly, certainly liked that. Oh, yeah. um, were, you, were you a fan of them returning to that plant? Oh, actually, Casey, let me ask you this. Are you a fan mm-hmm. of the original TNG episode, Symbiosis? No. <laughs> ne- you guys know what you're missing. I, I, no, I, I know I know exactly what I'm missing. And I'm glad you love it and enjoy it, yes. but nunca for me. <laughs> the best part about Symbiosis is that you get two guest actors from Wrath of Khan you do. back in Star you Trek do. in the same episode. You do. You do. Yeah. I so found awesome. the, best, the best part Doesn't of that episode that. was the ending credits. <laughs> Ooh, I hear the music's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> for yeah, TNG the motion picture they used in the end credits. Yeah, yeah that's pretty good. What a great coincidence! Um, <laughs> so, so that so we see what's going on with Amara. Pretty awesome. Okay, things are good. That mural is still awesome. I still want that mural in my, in my house. Um, so they decide to go see what's going on on Breca, the neighboring planet. <gasps> this was the part that I absolutely loved. I was so so happy to see the Breen back or the guy from Return of the Jedi, however you want to look at it. Um, but Princess Leia. It was, it, yeah. Yeah, Princess Leia, yeah. It was great to see the Breen and their weird starships. Uh, fantastic callback to DS9. They're still pretty, they're pretty, a pretty big nemesis, no pun intended to other Star Trek movies, but um, it was good mm-hmm. to see and they worked it into the story really well, Casey. They're a great villain. When when you can't understand a thing that the villain's saying, it's like, it's like it's like what what is the motivation? And it's like these, these creatures are just terror. Mm-hmm. They're 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 coming at you, and there seems to be no reasoning, none whatsoever. So yeah, very nice to uh, that was a great surprise. Wasn't expecting them. Bill, I I agree hundred percent. At first, I wondered. What happened to the people on Breca? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, did did we stumble into something bigger, like some kind of catastrophic event? Did the disruption of this drug trade kill everybody on the planet? And then to find out that it was a you know a brain surprise attack was even cooler, if I can use that word, because we haven't seen them in so long. And then you get that energy dampening weapon, and it's like, oh, ho, ho, great. Great continuity there. They still have that mm-hmm. weapon, and it causes lots of problems um, until someone comes to the rescue um, in the form of the automated ship. I can't remember the name of it right now. I apologize, but I, you know, when has a sentient computer ever been a good thing? Uh, maybe we should ask Doctor Daystrom. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know. I'm just asking. I, but I've got a real bad feeling about this. It was great. It came in, swooped, and saved the day. But I'm never a big fan of autom- fully automated AI, buddy. <laughs> look how well it worked out in TOS. And look how well <laughs> it worked out uh, really any other time the computer's been in charge. Um, you know, even in TNG, I mean, when people kind of co-opt the computer to take control of the ship, it's not cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I have a feeling there's a lot more to this. And this isn't the last we've seen of that, that Texas class. No, for, not by a long shot. Yeah. Um, I, I like the idea of what the Admiral's trying to do. You know, you want to save lives. But isn't the whole idea of Starfleet exploration 
That's the it whole is. reason mm-hmm. why they are in existence. They're not. Bill and I talked about this on Trek Geek this week. They're a semi-militaristic organization, even though their prime uh, directive—no pun intended—again—is exploration. Um, so it, it's it kind of it's kind of a slap in the face that an admiral of this stature would be doing this for the good of protecting lives when the whole idea of our lives is to go out and explore more, Casey. Well, yeah, Not explore I, more Casey, but explore more comma. Casey. Maybe they're going to want to. Hello there. <laughs> well, part of it, think about it. If, if you're somewhere, if you were in a, a continent here on our planet, and someone came by, first contact does that, and then X amount of time later, something comes where there's no person you're dealing with. It's like just cold and clinical... And I was like, how, how is that um, relationship building mm-hmm. for, for any civilization? And that just, you really take, you're taking the humanity out of everything. Yeah. How is a, an automated drone ship going to make first contact? Yeah. You know, how, how is it going yeah. to make second contact? I mm-hmm. mean, how is it going to address the needs of a federation member world um or how's it going to negotiate a treaty it's just it it, it can't yeah, just, do those things nobody to beam down so i mean it's just it doesn't it doesn't make sense and i mean you can go back to tos with landrew and and um yep. the, the the apple all of mm-hmm. these things that have computers running things it always goes bad and for someone who's an admiral in starfleet to think okay i'm going to design a starship that's fully automated because nothing has ever gone wrong in the history of starfleet or any no. of our exploration i'm sure it's going to be great it's just, it's, I got I got a bad feeling about this as, as another franchise is fond of saying from time to time. As you should, uh, you know we mm-hmm. we've seen it all too often. Um, I just I I got I have the same bad feeling. Hmm. And Casey, I know I can tell by the look on your face you got a bad feeling too. <laughs> <laughs> it 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 shall not end well. Let, let me ask you this, guys. Uh, uh, one other thing I wanted to ask is we have seen in the three seasons of Lower Deck that we've watched so far, we've seen mm-hmm. a lot of times where the Lower Deck crew is talking about this certain mission from Picard or what happened on Deep Space Nine and this, that, and the other thing. They know mm-hmm. all this stuff. Wouldn't you think that some of this stuff would have been classified by Starfleet Command, but they seem to know an awful lot, like the Breen and the energy dampening weapons and stuff like that. They seem to have an idea of what was going on and were able to come up with a way to defend the ship when they were being attacked by a race and a species that really hasn't been seen since the Dominion War, and they didn't even know a lot about them before then. I think it's kind of the opposite. I don't think it would be classified, especially since it, it goes to you know being able to defend a Starfleet vessel. Defend. You know, all these ships make logs and they're all, I want to say publicly available, but they're available to pretty much anybody in Starfleet as we've learned through next gen, you know, because they can call up somebody's log on a different star base and and go through Mm -hmm. it. So I, I I have to believe that some of that data is there and some of these lower deckers are big time nerds. Oh yeah. We've seen that with Boimler actually. Yeah, absolutely. That that makes total sense. Uh, What else you got guys for this episode? There was a lot going in uh, on this episode or a lot going on in this episode. Um, It it wore me out quite frankly. (laughs) (laughs) I I have two things. The first of which is I love that the emblem on the reporter's pin kind of looks like the CBS logo. (laughs) That always makes me happy when we see a callback, whether it's, you know, uh, in the bad computer 
storage in Okinawa, yes. mm-hmm. uh, or in this case. Uh, but really, the burning question of this episode, and something we haven't brought up yet, is how have we never seen a dereplicating trash can before in Star Trek? <laughs> we see it here at the at the pie eating contest in the lounge. They're just taking the pies, zipping them into this trash can that essentially turns mm-hmm. the pies back into energy. I I want this more than I want a transporter, quite honestly. <laughs> Speaking of pies, am I the only one that that thought of Breaking Bad with that whole pie eating contest nope. thing? Okay, good because that I mean that's a oh. classic moment from Breaking Bad with the with the pie eating contest, and that's initially what I started thinking about. And I gotta say, um, Marin is kind of um, a bad pie eater if she's got that blueberry all over her uniform for so long into the episode. Well, <laughs> yes, <laughs> but but also, have you ever seen Stand by Me in the pie eating contest? There, oh yeah, it was so long yeah. ago since the scene. I don't remember it. Yeah, you know, it's been a long time. Some sometimes pie eating contests are rigorous and aren't always everything that can stay into the system. And it's like, hey, that that's how it goes. And if you get it on your hands and your shoes, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I only wish that you know to complete the rep, the circle back to Breaking Bad, it had been a tulaberry pie. Oh yeah, not a blueberry that pie. Would- that would have been really good. That would have been the best wink and a nod back to a non-canon source <laughs> ever. Um, and I, I really can't fault it for that because, I mean, I love blueberry pie, but tulaberry would have just been the icing on the cake. Yes. Yes, it would have. So, uh, Casey, what else? You got anything before we wrap up about things that stood out for you? I know oh, we talked a lot about different y- things this whole, this whole Cap- conversation. Captain Carol, Carol being Carol, yelling is quite intimidating yeah. And it's like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, if I'm a crew member on that, it's like, okay, um, she's pissed. Let's go. Here we go. <laughs> I, I will, I will do whatever work I need to do as far away from her as possible to have her happy about what's going on. Yeah. You don't you don't get a lot of yelling captains uh, in Star Trek. You know, shut off that damn noise. That's about really the only other one I can think of. Hey, you're anyway. not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> no. Um, so. well, well, because I mean, their job is to be in command, right? Well, that's I, I true. think that. Yeah. Uh, I think that Freeman, you know, yells because um, it, she really feels betrayed, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's disheartening mm-hmm. to hear her have that reaction to Mariner that she does. Because it's her daughter, mm-hmm. you know, especially when she says, I don't even know if I can call you my daughter anymore. I'm like, my yeah, heart sunk ouch. a little bit because I mean, that was, it was a blatant overreaction on her oh, part, yes. but yes. it was coming from some place that was just a deep wound. And she didn't have the information to make that comment. She was assuming and everyone assumes. she was, she, she, everyone assumes, but she, but, but I'll go back to what Bill just said. She's a captain. She's not. Yep. She needs. She needs to do a better job. But you're right. She's very, mm. in, very, very intimidating. Um, well, so, if if you have, you know, someone that you've given birth to on your crew, th- that's got to be incredibly hard. I mean, I yeah. I went to high school where our homeroom teacher was the father of one of the guys in the in that homeroom. And I was like, I couldn't believe how it would be for both of them for yeah. four years of like, this isn't just your your teacher. This is your parent. 
and then you're the kid and like how do you be yourself right when your parent right. is there 24 7 yeah well i guess we're going to find out what happens um a great episode nine uh to season three of lower deck so that means there's only one left casey so uh what, what? do we have coming up i know i'm sorry I- i'm sorry in the bearer of bad news but mm. uh what do we have coming up next week pal man well dan since it's the only one left next week the Cerritos crew fights for California-class survival in a race to beat an automated starship from taking over second contact duty. It's the season three finale. Oh, man. The stars at night. And we'll be right here to talk all about it next week. Until then, y'all, remember that you can subscribe to Discovering Trek by searching for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or by downloading the Trek Geeks Podcast Network app. And don't forget, you can support Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to bonus content on Patreon. Get access to the unedited audio of all our podcasts and a whole bunch of other perks. We want to take a moment to recognize the following amazing producers of Discovering Trek. We are truly so grateful for their support. Mike Bovia, Steve Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Andy Davenport, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Casey Pettit, Jamie Rogers, Major Self, Casey Shafsky, what? Huh? Jerry Shull, Jim Stoffel, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Fashon. The senior producer of Check Geeks is the Jude Tatman. Hey, Jude. And uh, for everybody, if you would like to support Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks podcast network, beam on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks, where subscription levels start at a mere $2 a month. Next week's episode is The Stars at Night, and I keep wanting to say, are big and bright. <laughs> deep, deep in the, in heart, the of heart of Texas. Texas. Yeah, you know, all I can see is Dale Evans singing it with the Muppets on The Muppet Show. You're fired. Okay, so for more great Star Trek, Star Trek discussion, please do check out the other member podcasts of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. So many great shows produced by passionate fans who just want to share their love of Star Trek and Gene's vision. You can find all our podcasts, including where to listen, by visiting trekgeeks.com slash listen. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network, no one, dare I say no one, not a soul, talks Trek like we do. Well, everybody, we want to thank you for joining us on our discussion for Lower Decks Episode 9, Trusted Sources. How long will we see Mariner not in a Starfleet uniform? With only one episode left in the season, I for one hope we don't have to wait until Season 4 to find out. As always, I need to give a huge shout-out to my two cohorts, Bill and Casey. Guys, another fantastic and fun discussion of an episode that really was just fantastic. Thanks for all you do, guys. Uh, One more to go. And and I want to thank all of you for taking time out of your schedule to listen to us talk all about Lower Decks Season 3. I'm looking forward to doing it all again next week with Star Trek Lower Decks Episode 10, The Stars at Night, deep in the heart of Texas. So until next week... Never stop discovering. Texas. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. 
For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Thank you.